0: to proverbs chapter one now if you've been here for the last three months maybe maybe that long been talking about the fear of the lord we're still not done go with me to proverbs one and the bible's very clear about the fear of god a key to obtaining godly wisdom is the fear of the lord that's one of the keys to it and when we talk about the fear of the lord guys we're not talking about terror of some tyrant But we're talking about, when you look at the fear of God, the kind of awe and the kind of respect that would cause me to want to be obedient. That would cause me to want to be pleasing in my Father's sight. Okay? Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge of what? Well, I don't believe he was talking about scientific knowledge. Or political knowledge or social, sh- social knowledge. But you know, we've even got to be careful about talking about biblical knowledge. Some of you said, whoa, whoa. The reason I say that is, is you can look through the, the Bible and you'll see the Pharisees, they had incredible biblical knowledge. They were experts in the law, but yet Jesus Himself despised them. You know why? they took this word right here and they made it a religion, a grind. How I many of you have ever been under a religion where, man, it's just a struggle. i got to do it, i got to do it. So when he says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, what is he talking about? Well, I believe he's saying right here that this is the starting point that you will learn to gain knowledge of who Father God is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning to understand the knowledge of who God is. Now, one thing we got to understand about the knowledge of God is He's a God of integrity. He's a God that's honest. He's a God that does not change. He's the God that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when I begin to understand those things, I begin to understand the fear of God that God doesn't change, okay? God doesn't change his, His mind tomorrow. When God says he'll do this, he'll do it. This is where the fear of the Lord comes in. So it gives you an idea to think, man, if God doesn't change, if God doesn't miss it, then if something in my life isn't going the way I I want it or I think it should, it's not God's fault. It's not his fault. So that tells me I'm missing it somewhere. That I don't understand exactly who Father God is and who he says he is. Now look what he goes on to say. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, I can become a fool when I, I, I stay away from this. I will become a fool. So the ultimate goal here is, is to know God intimately. And to know God intimately, guys, that's a two-way street. For me to know my wife intimately, it takes both of us. It's the same in the kingdom of God. God wants us to know him intimately. Where, man, we get around him and we honor him and we thank him and we bless him. Now, go with me to Psalm 25. Psalm 25. And we're going to dig in a little bit. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you're going to get blessed. This is, this is going to help you tonight, okay? This is going to help you see some things in a whole different light. Psalm 25 And let's just begin in verse 12. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Who is the man that fears Him? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. Who's Him? The man that fears the Lord, he will get guidance from the Lord. He himself shall dwell in prosperity. Who's he talking about will dwell in prosperity? The man that fears the Lord, okay? You fear God, you're going to operate in prosperity. He goes on to say, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. And so what he's talking about here, guys, even future generations, there's going to be a posterity before God. Something happens when mamas and daddies fear God. This is what he's talking about, or future generations. They'll say, you know what, my daddy, my mama, they fear God. They love God. And that's what God has always wanted to be. You know, the greatest evangelistic tool in the world is the family. Because it goes from generation to generation to generation. Keep reading. He himself shall dwell in prosperity and his descendants shall inherit the earth. Now look at this one. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. A divine confidant is with those who fear God. And he goes on to say, and he will show them his covenant. God will become a covenant God to those who fear him. And then he ends there in verse number 15. It says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. You know what that's talking about? The man that fears God, God will deliver him. And so there's a bunch of nuggets right there from verse 12 to verse 15. But every bit of it centered around starting in verse 15, who is the man that fears the Lord? And then let's hone in on verse 14 again. The secret of the Lord, or the counsel of the Lord, is with those who fear Him. Those who reverence Him. Those who respect Him. Now, when you see this, God Himself reveals His secret counsel to those He's in friendship with. Okay. In other words, I believe he's saying this, a treasure is reserved for those ones who fear him. He's got a special place for us. Now when you look at this, one of the passages in here that cross reference this is in Genesis chapter 18. Go with me to Genesis 18, and we're going to look at some things in Genesis here for a little bit. Genesis 18. Now, when I start making these statements, you'll probably figure out where we're going with this, with this tonight. But in Scripture, God called two men, Noah, not Noah, Moses, and Abraham, his friends. Now, there's two men that were we'll referenced in Scripture, guys. There could have been more men than this, but God specifically mentions these two men, that he called them friends. Friends. He recorded their friendships. And so when you begin to, to look at what they did, we can gain knowledge, we can even gain uh, insight into what God was looking for here. Okay? In, in And you're in, in Genesis 18. In 2 Chronicles 20, verse 7, this is just a reference for you, it was talking about Abraham, and it said that he would be a friend of God forever. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, I love that thought. I would love to be known as a friend of God forever. I I think as human beings, as believers, that would be one of the greatest compliments man, you could ever get in heaven. Can you imagine uh, uh, Moses and Abraham strolling around heaven right now? And I mean, people looking and saying, those boys were friends of God. Now listen, you're not given that title Just to be given to it. There was things that happened in their life. Is why God God said over both of them, they're a friend of mine. Okay? Genesis 18. I'll let you start in verse 16. Then the men rose from there and they looked towards Sodom and Abraham went away with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Now, God said this. God said, shall I hide from Abraham who was a man? Shall I hide from him what I'm, what I'm doing or what I'm going to do? And you know what that shows me right there? God was very aware of Abraham. He must have really, really uh, uh, liked Abraham. And I believe it's because of fear of the Lord. So he goes on to say, Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Now this was the covenant that God set up with him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So what's going on here, guys, is is, there's a region called Sodom and Gomorrah. And they've become very wicked in their lifestyles. And so here this guy who's known as the friend of God named Abraham, he's so bold, he approaches Father God and he says to him, Lord, would you destroy the, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah? Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And really I believe Abraham said, I know Father God, that's not your character. So, Abraham begins to bargain with Father God. And he said, Lord, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there was 50 righteous? And then he becomes an auctioneer. 45, 40, 35, 30, 25, 20. And he gets all the way down to 10. And Father God listens to Abraham. And he does what Abraham asked him to Would you spare it? And it was because he said, I can't hide from Abraham what I'm going to do. Now, if you know the rest of the story, Abraham gets in there and uh, rescues his his goofy son-in-law, or not his son-in-law, but his nephew named Lot. So right here, guys, when he sets this covenant up with Abraham, he promises Abraham in all this, he said, I'm going to bless you with a son. Now, when he makes that promise to Abraham, Abraham is 75 years old. You know how old Abraham is when that promised child Isaac is born? He's 100 years old. He's a dinosaur. He's ancient. I'm 52 right now, and if they told me that Shelly was pregnant, I would become suicidal. I would say, Lord, that, that's not the will of God for me. That is for you, younger ones. Okay, but He's a hundred years old now. Turn with me just a couple pages to Genesis chapter twenty-two. Genesis chapter twenty-two. Now remember, this is a man that God said, "I'm not going to hide from him what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell." Him. So he had a relationship with God. So now in Genesis twenty-two, the promised child named Isaac is born. Okay, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now when Abraham responds, here I am, it denotes two things. Number one, he's ready, but also that he's got a fear of God. I mean, when God spoke to him, I mean, he was there, here I am. He didn't say, Lord, come back and meet with me next week. I'm busy. There's a ball game on TV tonight. Verse three or 2. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. Now, listen to me here, guys, real quick what god asked him to do is incredible to me he didn't he didn't ask abraham for abraham's life he said i want you to take that son that i blessed you with named isaac and i want you to take him up on an altar an offering to me i want all you guys to put put yourself in that position maybe you have a son maybe you don't maybe you got a daughter but just think about that now This is what Abraham knew about Father God. He knew that when God spoke, God doesn't make mistakes. God says what he means and he means what he says. And so when you look at this right here, if you'll note that you don't see Abraham say, say that again. What did you say? No, a covenant man, he knows he's got two options. I either obey God or I disobey God. And to disobey God is to break the covenant right here. Verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Woo! You know what this shows me, guys? He had a reverential fear of God. Early the next morning, he gets going. And he took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, when we read this, you and me guys, we understand this was a test. Abraham didn't know it was a test. He did not know this and when it comes to a kingdom test, you can't cheat on it. You either pass it Or you fail it. And so really what God was testing Abraham, I believe more and more of this, was this. Are you going to serve me or are you going to serve the dream? Whoo, that's big. A lot of times we say, Father God, I want to serve my dream. I want to serve the the, the things that I have in my heart. I want to do those things. Well, God's not against that. But right here, He begins to show us some things. Now, one thing you need to understand in me too, that this is what I really see is Abraham, he didn't hesitate here. I believe all the years of getting to know God intimately, he knew when God God asked him to do it, I'm going to do it. If you'll note there, he didn't say, I need to go talk to Sarah about this first. He didn't say, hey Lord, this is a big decision, we're going to pray about it. See, when God asks us something to do, there's no need to pray about it. In God's eyes, it's a done deal. So all this right here that's going on, I believe this is revealing the fear of God. That he said, you know what? I fear God more than I do keeping my son alive. So guess what Abraham does? He binds Isaac and he puts him on the altar. Verse number 10 of Genesis 22. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Can you imagine? I mean, even, even the films I've seen on it kind of gives you an insight on there that it shows him that he's just weeping. Tears are flowing down. And I mean, he's caught that knife. He's literally in the motion of doing it. And you know what it all says? I fear, Father God. Verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now, I know that you fear God. For now, I know that you fear God. Now, here's the question that arises up. How did he know that Abraham feared God? Look what it says. Since you have not withheld your son... Your only son from me. So what was the root of the fear of the Lord here? He obeyed God. He didn't question God. He didn't hesitate. And this was a man, you know, that over and over you see, this was a man who God said is a friend of mine. Okay? The reason is because his action showed it. Verse 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said in this day. Now, right here when it says this name, the Lord shall be provide, actually, this is called Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide, but you've got to understand in this situation, this did not happen... Until after he obeyed. When he obeyed the Lord, all of a sudden the Lord shows up and now he's revealed as Jehovah Jireh. He passed the test. And the reason he passed the test was because of his obedience. Now I can say this, when you look at the, the name Jehovah Jireh here, you can learn a lot about God's nature just by the names that he has in the Bible. You want to understand some of God's nature, just who he is? Well, he's Jehovah Jireh, the provider. He's Jehovah Raphi, the healer. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. He's Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He's Jehovah Shalom, my my, uh, Jehovah Nisi, my victory. And so when you start seeing the names of God right here, all they say to me and you, this is his nature. This is who he is. And so when we we used to sing Jehovah Jireh. You remember that song? Thank God we don't sing that anymore. But there was some truth to that. But really it was more than that. It was God's nature and this is what God was saying to him, "Because you feared me, I'm going to reveal myself to you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to show you exactly who I am." Now, I want to I want to go to James chapter 2. And as you're turning to James 2, I'm going to go back to one of the verses we talked about earlier. Psalms 25, verse 14. Now you're going to James 2. Psalms 25, 14 in the New Living Translation says this. Friendship with the Lord is reserved with those who fear Him. With them, He shares the secrets of his covenant. Now, I really, really got me when it said, friendship with the Lord is revealed for those who fear him. So anytime we, we talk about fearing the Lord, I'm going to tell you guys, that's the only way it leads to being a friend of God. I'm, I can't be a friend of God unless I fear him. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. Now, I don't believe it can be any clearer than that, guys. Any clearer than what we just read. But I believe right now there is a disease, there's a virus within our churches. And it comes from people. It comes from our pulpits. And you know what that virus is, that disease? A lack of fear of the Lord. A lack of fear of the Lord for every one of us. I mean, I can think about this, guys. When God deals with my heart and I push Him away, you know what I'm saying? In essence, I don't fear you. When God starts convicting my heart day after day after day and I don't yield to that, you know what I'm, i don't. I don't fear you. It's kind of like this that if, if I called Erica day after day, and every time I called her, and I'd say, Hey, Erica! And she'd slam the phone down. Hey, Erica! Slam the phone down. you know what ultimately happens? You quit calling. Unless you're stupid. But see, this is exactly what we've done to Father God. And a lot of this is revealed because we don't want to fear Him. And you know what? The, the, the rest of our lives... We can sing the song, I am a friend to God. You remember that one? That's an oldie but a goldie too. I'm not going to sing it for you. You know what? Maybe I should get you prepared for the next few weeks while Aaron's not here. Listen guys, you can sing I'm a friend to God all you want. But it all comes down to this. Do I obey? Do I obey? I'm talking about just flat out obeying that I don't question him. Why, Father God? If you'll think about Abraham with Isaac, he didn't say, Why, Father God? And we go back to what I said earlier. Abraham understood, when Father God says something, he means what he said. That's the same way for me and you in this Bible. So I can make all excuses I want. I can say, Well, you know, in the New Testament, we live by grace. Well, I do believe in grace. Thank God for His grace. But grace is an an empowering for me to do what's right, not to sin. And see, that's what's come from our pulpits for so long. Nothing about just obey, nothing about the fear of God. Just do whatever you want. And so we've used grace as a license to sin, but I can say this in my own life. Guys, I didn't need a license to sin. I did well enough without a license so it goes back to the fear of the Lord. James chapter 2. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified, and that word justified, made acceptable to God. Was Abraham not our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Was he not justified by his works? Now remember this, guys. We're not saved by works, okay? I mean, go to church for 55 straight years. That doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. has nothing to do with that, okay? But here, right here, he's getting into something now. Hang in here with me and keep reading. Do you see that faith was working together or cooperating with his works And by works, faith was made perfect. Faith was made complete. Now, when he talks about here, guys, faith creates works, but works perfect faith until you can't have one without the other. You can say I have faith, but you don't have works. You don't have obedience. It's not going to be there. So think about this: my faith completes my, or is completed by my works. So how was how was Abraham's faith completed? God told him what to do. And then he did it. He did it. Verse 23. And the scriptures was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted or credited to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Isn't that something? Right here in the New Testament. And so look what it goes ahead and defines in verse number 24. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So the proof of Abraham's fearing God was he believed God, but he also obeyed God. And to believe God is to obey God, which results in the friendship of God. Now, when this happens, guys, when we become a friend of God, you know what shows me? God reveals His secrets with those who are His friends. I don't become a friend without obeying. And not only obeying, I believe so much of it, guys, comes down to the way we obey. And this, this obeying is hard. I, I hate obeying. This stuff being a Christian is hard. You didn't ever see Abraham say that. When God said, I want you to sacrifice Isaac, he said, this is tough. No. He said, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to fear God. Think about this in your own life. Who do you share your intimate secrets with? Do you share them with just acquaintances? Or do you share people that you've become intimate with because you spent time with them? See, that'll tell you about Father God. Father God is not going to share his secrets with just acquaintances, he's going to share his secrets with his friends. And his friends come around and his friends hang out with him and his friends do life with him. And see, that's how it is with us. I mean, in the natural, I, I don't go up to people that I don't know and start sharing with them all my intimate secrets. Oh, who's that reserved for? Well, here on earth, the, the, the most intimate secrets that anybody knows about me is my wife. And that's how we should be with Father God. Now, I don't know about you, but I love the thought of being called a friend to God. And so even in my own lives, or my own life, that when God's been dealing with me lately, you know what I understand? He means now. He doesn't say next week, next year. And when God begins to deal with stuff in my life that I know is wrong, you know what God's saying? I want to help you. I want to be Jehovah with you, but I can't be until you obey. Now a lot of times in my life, you know what I like to do? I, I like to look at things in my life and I almost want to blame God. God, why is this not happening? Why why do I lack in this area? Why is there no peace in my life? Where is no joy in my life? Why are you withholding this? And you know what the Lord's saying? I'm not withholding. You keep flunking the test. And you know what my flesh says? It pouts. Not fair. I don't like it. But you know what God set up the rules? And so once again, when we go back and we look at what Abraham did to become the friend of God, it changes everything and friendship with God is reserved for those who fear him. You can shout, it's okay, it's good, it's good. I told you it was going to be good tonight. Some of you look and say, this is good. This is good. And so, man, I was in here praying at lunch and I walked around here and I just began to say, I thank you, Father God. I'm a friend of yours. I'm a friend of God. I take pleasure in obeying me. I mean, obeying Him, not obeying me. Stand up on your feet. Woo! This this is good right here, guys. This is good. I'm telling you, we got to get a hold of this. And you know, even reading today, I was in one of my my Jewish commentaries today, and you know, God said to Noah, He said, I'm going to give you 120 years to tell tell the people on the earth about me. Now when God God told Noah that, you know what? Noah wasn't out about saying, listen guys, you guys got to get a hold of this prosperity message. Man, there's a, God wants to release the money on you. God wants to let you drive a new Mercedes. God wants you to have an no, air. That's not what he's talking about. You know what Noah told him for 120 years? You better knock that sinning off. And you know what? Our churches right now, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about the fear of God. We want to say, tell us about the country club. What's all my rights here? But I'm going to tell you, when I go back and I look whether it was in Noah's days and God destroyed the earth, and when you go back and look in in Abraham's days in Sodom and Gomorrah and God destroyed the earth, it'll say in the New Testament specifically, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be on the second coming of man. See guys, we can't play around. I mean, I, I could come in here and I can preach messages on... The money, money, oh golly, let's just, uh, I can print, man, you all, you need a new home. You need, and God's not against that stuff. He revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. But when we got an issue with sin in our lives, God's not going to move. Not going to do it. I hope I didn't break your heart tonight. You can either, thank you, you can either say amen or you can say oh me, that hurt Pastor. I sat in a conference last week and the Lord said to me, He said, you've got to preach with a purpose. And that purpose has to be for my kingdom. That you've got to tell people the truth unlike any other time in your life, okay? You've got to tell them the truth. You've got to tell them the truth. And so, you know, he, He just showed me that through the deal with Noah. So rejoice when you get the truth, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we love you tonight. And Lord, I don't pray that we become...